Welcome to the Conscious Cafe. This podcast is designed to wake you up, blending old soul knowledge with new age intellect. I'm Izzy, your host, and I hope you enjoy this week's blend. It's time to wake up. Are you ready? Hey guys, and welcome back to episode two of the Conscious Cafe. This week's episode is going to be a medium roast blend of Reiki and energy work with a subtle hint of quantum physics. We're going to be talking about what Reiki is, how it may work, and how it ties into quantum physics. So if you're ready, let's get started. As I mentioned in the introduction episode, which if you haven't listened to, you can listen to now. I'll link it down in the show notes for this, and it's also available to read here, I guess, on my blog over at collectivelyquantum.com. But as I mentioned in that episode, I am a Reiki master, which means I've gone through the highest level of Reiki training to get to the master teacher level. I have been practicing the at the master level since August of last year, and it honestly has changed my life. But Reiki for a lot of people seems super woo-woo, super out there. <laughs> really, a lot of people think that it doesn't work, that it won't work, that it's stupid, all of these things. So what I really wanted to do, since Reiki is going to be a big topic on this podcast, is I wanted to give a brief overview of what Reiki is, why it works, and what my perspective on it is. So as I mentioned before, my history with Reiki is relatively brief compared to a lot of Reiki masters, but I was first introduced to Reiki about two years ago, and since then, I have just grown more and more interested in it. I've bought every Reiki book I could possibly find in the bookstores. I've gone through my trainings and had the attunements, and I actually currently work as a virtual assistant to a wonderful woman who owns a Reiki business, so I'm getting the business side of things as well. So what is Reiki? Reiki is a form of Japanese energy healing in which the practitioner transfers energy to the recipient through the palms of their hands. Written as a Japanese kanji, the word Reiki is composed of two parts, Rei meaning spirit or higher power, and Ki refers to life force energy or the energy that gives us life. The concept of ki is not unique to Japanese culture, as life force energy is also one of the founding principles of traditional Chinese medicine, yoga, a lot of really ancient healing philosophies. So for Reiki, though, ki refers to the energy channeled by the practitioner during a session. Although this makes it sound like the practitioner themselves are the healer, they are doing the healing. In Reiki, we are taught that the practitioner is merely a channel. So you can almost think of like a straw, like a bendy straw that you drink some like water with. And you, the person drinking the water, are actively sucking it up, but you have to have the straw as a conduit to get the water from the cup to your mouth. And that's basically what a Reiki practitioner is. We are not forcing the energy into your body. We're not physically moving or mentally intoning the energy to get into your body. We are merely acting as the straw and holding space for your body so that you can naturally soak up the Reiki energy that is available to you. So, 
Put together, rei and ki in Japanese kanji means spiritually guided life force energy. However, translation to another language often strips the kanji of some essential meanings. But in essence, the main piece of Reiki is an intimate connection to universal life force energy. This connection is usually strongest on the side of the practitioner who acts as a channel during a session, as I was saying before. So that's really where that straw imagery comes in, is we're just acting as the conduit so that the Reiki energy can go from universal source and be soaked into your body. The practitioner or Reiki master goes through a series of attunements and lessons before completing their training. These attunements intimately connect the practitioner to the power of universal energy. So attunements allow the practitioner to be a clear channel for the energy. This does not mean that the practitioner is better or more spiritual than the client. Instead, the attunements kind of serve as a way to clear the practitioner of their own spiritual dust, allowing energy to flow through them without being polluted. So if you go back to thinking about that straw, you would not want to use a dirty straw to drink your water with, right? You want a nice, clean straw. And so the main part of Reiki training for Reiki practitioners is actually getting them to clear their own spiritual dust away, clear their own energy system so that they may act as clear conduits for the Reiki energy. And it's kind of at this point that I want to note that Reiki is not associated with any one religion. Reiki is not religious. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't focus on a single religion. Reiki merely works with the energy that is around us all at all times. And that can be be put into any religious context. So I kind of just wanted to get that out of the way because I know that is something that calls up a lot of controversy in um, people who are new to Reiki is worrying about how it may or may not fit into their religious context. And so I just want to assure you that Reiki does not have a religion. Reiki can be practiced in all religions or in all spirituality. Whatever your faith is, Reiki can fit in simply because it uses the truth of universal energy, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. But going back to the practitioner and client relationship, during a session, the practitioner channels universal energy to flow through their bodies, eventually exiting through their hands. Because the hands serve as an exit point, Reiki sessions often rely on the, quote, laying on of hands, in which the practitioner either places their hands just above or lightly rests them on the patient's body. This connection allows the energy to flow through from practitioner to recipient. The flow is what activates the innate healing power of the recipient's body. So basically, our laying on of hands, as the Reiki practitioner community likes to say, onto the client's body is the same thing as the straw going into your mouth. This connection has to be formed in order for the energy to be soaked from us into the patient's body. So rather than saying the laying on of hands or being a channel or being a conduit or all of these things, one of my favorite ways to think of Reiki, especially as a practitioner, is that you are holding space for the client. Everyone's body has the ability to naturally heal themselves. Everybody's body is born with this ability. Think about if you get a paper cut or if you scrape your knee or something like that. Your body will naturally heal itself because it's what we are meant to do. Reiki just harnesses this power and concentrates it in a way. Instead of allowing the body to work through it on its own pace as with a paper cut, you're taking the universal energy that's available to us all and 
putting it directly towards that patient's body. And you can almost think of it like a magnet. If our energy, the Reiki practitioner's energy, is strong enough, we can influence the client's body to accept the Reiki energy to fulfill their own healing potential. We are not doing the healing. We are merely holding space so that the client's body can do the healing for themselves. So I hope that makes sense and it'll hopefully get more clear as we keep going. But while many Reiki sessions are performed in person, Reiki can also be performed across space and time. And I'm going to take a brief pause here to say that if you can hear my dog whining as I'm saying this, I am so sorry. He is in the middle of a very intense dream, probably about a squirrel or (laughs) something else. So if you can hear him in the background, please excuse that. But many Reiki sessions are performed in person, but Reiki can also be performed across space and time. This is what we call distance healing. This means that the practitioner does not need to be in the same room or even the same moment as the recipient. I'll talk about this more later, but for now, kind of think of distance Reiki as a form of energetic prayer. It works based on the same principles. As I said before, the practitioner is not healing the patient. Instead, the recipient's body heals itself as a result of exposure to the clarity of key. Because universal energy is pure, exposing an ailing patient to the energy creates a healing effect. So to kind of sum this up, Reiki is a Japanese form of healing. It's a traditional form of healing, meaning that it relies on some ancient philosophies and was brought into the United States by um, one particular master teacher. And if you guys want to learn more about the actual history of Reiki, let me know and I'll do an episode on that. But for now, what you need to know is that Reiki is essentially a form of Japanese healing that relies on a practitioner client relationship in which the practitioner can put their hands on or around their recipient's body either physically or intentionally as in distance healing which we'll talk about in a little bit and it is this connection that allows the universal life force energy to be channeled into the recipient's body to activate their own natural healing powers now As I'm saying all of this, for those of you who aren't familiar with Reiki or are maybe a little skeptical, this is probably sounding like a bunch of mumbo jumbo. And don't worry, you're not alone. Even when I first started Reiki, I was highly skeptical. In fact, until I had my second level attunement, which is basically like if you put it in terms of going to college or university, it's like your second year, your junior, sophomore year of being in college. When I was going through my second level of Reiki training that I actually started fully believing in the power of Reiki. So I went through my first year and a half of training um, not fully believing that Reiki works. So if you're skeptical, don't worry. I've been there too. But I'm hoping that this next part of the episode will help to alleviate some of your fears and hesitations. So what I'm going to do now is talk about what I like to call the quantum connection. So we're going to take a scientific perspective of Reiki and why it works using the lens of quantum physics. Again, as I mentioned in the intro podcast, I am a huge proponent of quantum physics. I think it is absolutely fascinating. So the concept of healing simply by the laying on of hands on a person's body may seem impossible. However, quantum mechanics or quantum physics helps to explain the practice and principles of Reiki. So we know that energy makes up everything around us. When you take a chemistry course in 
college or even in high school, you were taught that everything on a sub molecular scale is made up of atoms and these atoms themselves are made up of protons neutrons and electrons and these particles as they're called are actually electrical charges and they act as electrical waves which in other words means that atoms themselves are made up of energy quantum physics suggests that particles the things that make up matter function as waves or vibrations and they've proven that in the presence of stronger or clearer vibrations, lesser or weaker vibrations will be taken over, meaning that if you place a strong vibration in the middle of several weaker vibrations, the weaker vibrations will change to match the stronger vibration. So it's essentially like an overload. If there is a weak, broken, slow, small vibration in a patient or client's body and they are exposed to a stronger healing vibration, the client's body, their vibration will raise to lift to the naturally more healthy, happy, and whole vibration. This is the same principle that sound healing works. So if you are a fan of sound healing, that's definitely based on quantum physics as well. Energy makes up everything that's around us and therefore it influences everything in our lives. So because of the vibrational nature of the universe, the application of a strong and weak wave as listed above, so you know, the application of you can raise a weaker vibration to a higher vibration by exposing it to that higher vibration, also applies to the most basic building blocks of life. So the ability of stronger or clearer vibrations to impact weaker frequencies explains one of the main principles of Reiki. Reiki relies on the idea of universal energy, in this case the stronger energy, influencing a weaker energy, in this case the recipient's body. And again, this doesn't mean that the practitioner is in any way better, clearer, or cleaner than their client. It just means that they are more attuned to the Reiki energy. And Reiki itself is such a pure form of energy. It is, in a way, the resonance of universal love that exposing anyone, whether they are physically ill, emotionally struggling, or even what seems like perfectly healthy, everyone will benefit by being exposed to Reiki energy because it resonates at a perfect frequency. And as a human being, we are constantly subjected to incoming vibrations that can cause stress, anxiety, depression, sadness, sickness, disease, all of these different things. And so being exposed to the vibration of Reiki energy or universal love will immediately have a healing effect on our bodies. So Reiki relies on the idea of universal energy, and we can see how Reiki echoed the findings of quantum physics long before they were scientifically proven, right? Because Reiki relies on this concept of universal energy impacting the energetic field of the client, and quantum physics is now proving that, look, we are made of atoms, we are made of electrical charges, and these charges influence each other. So in a way, quantum physics is helping to quote-unquote prove Reiki to add substance to what many Reiki practitioners know to be true, that Reiki is a reliable and effective healing technique. 
So in addition to impacting each other based on strength, waves can become entangled. This is a quantum physics term that means that particles interact with or change other particles without needing to be in close proximity. So what we talked about earlier with a stronger wave influencing a weaker wave happens over a distance. It doesn't necessarily mean that the stronger vibration has to be in the exact presence of the weaker vibration. So the particle's ability to influence other particles, regardless of time and space, ties into the concept of distance Reiki. During distance Reiki, the practitioner does not need to be in the same room or time as the recipient, and yet the benefits of the Reiki session are still felt. So essentially, if you take part in a distance Reiki session, and this varies from practitioner to practitioner, whether they do it via Zoom so they can see your face or they just set it up. Um, via messenger, or if you even communicate at all, what happens is the practitioner will in some way connect to their client. This can be by saying their name, looking at a picture of them, using a surrogate. So a lot of Reiki practitioners like to use teddy bears as surrogates for the human that they're going to be working on. And as they focus on this human, the intention of connecting practitioner to client actually creates quantum entanglement between the practitioner's energy and the client's energy. And so this means that regardless of distance or time, do to the principles of quantum physics, a Reiki practitioner can influence the energy of his client's body without needing to be in the same room. And so when you go through a distance session, you will feel the benefits regardless of if your practitioner is in the same room as you or not. It's really this beautiful and fascinating session that is completely different than anything that you find in distance healing. And a lot of practitioners, myself included, tend to feel that Reiki energy is actually stronger during a distance session than an in-person session. But again, that varies from practitioner to practitioner. So, although Reiki is just beginning to be studied in a scientific setting, its effects have been anecdotally consistent. Over almost, I think, 200 hospitals in the United States now offer Reiki as a treatment option. It's becoming more and more widely accepted in the medical field. In fact, a lot of medical schools actually require or suggest Reiki courses as part of electives for med students. In addition, the principles and effects of Reiki also contain concepts similar to practices included in parapsychology, which is something that we will talk about in a future episode because, like I said, psychology, quantum physics, all these super interesting sciences, sign me up. I will read about them for hours any day. So basically, to sum up this episode, hopefully it hasn't been too confusing. I know when you were first exposed to the concept of Reiki, it can feel really odd and foreign and maybe a little woo-woo, but I am all for the woo-woo, so if you have any questions, let me know. We'll be doing a lot more episodes on Reiki in the future, and we'll cover a vast array of topics under the blanket term of Reiki. But to kind of sum up, Reiki is a healing technique in which the practitioner channels energy into the recipient by means of touch, activating the natural healing processes of the patient's body. Possible benefits from Reiki sessions include relieving physical pain and mental distress, including anxiety, depression, and fatigue. So I would love to know, as a way to round off this session, have you ever received a Reiki session? And if so, what was your experience? Are you a Reiki practitioner? I would love 
to know. In the meantime, I have a blog post about this, so if you would rather read instead of listen, you can find it over at collectivelyquantum.com slash whatisreiki, and I'll link that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and I cannot wait to talk with you again next week. I hope this episode was interesting and that it wasn't too confusing. So thanks for listening to this introduction to Reiki. Thanks for coming to The Conscious Cafe. Come back next week for your consciousness refill or keep the vibes going by subscribing to the podcast, following the blog, or joining me on Instagram at Collectively Quantum. Find all the links in the show notes or head over to collectivelyquantum.com. Until next week, it's always a beautiful day at the Conscious Cafe.